0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermons podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Uh, Let us prepare for the sermon, uh, scripture reading, and a time of prayer. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Let's pray. Father, as we approach a time of hearing your word and, uh, and trying to discern where you're leading and trying to be filled with your spirit, Lord, we ask for your presence with us. Uh, we pray that you would fill John with your spirit and that you would speak uh, boldly through his voice, uh, that you would draw us near to you, Lord, and that we, would, that we would be moved in our heart to change more and more like you. Lord, we ask that you be with us in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Good morning, and again, welcome to Morris Hill Christian Church. We're so thankful for everybody being able to be here in person. Thank you, and thank you for joining us online. We're so thankful for that, too. Sorry for the technical difficulties at the very beginning. But we're so thankful to have everybody here and, and hearing this message because we really believe that it's going to change our lives in fact that is why we get together we get together for three reasons we we don't just meet because it's a habit we don't just meet because it's fun hopefully it's both of those but we get together so that we can bless God so that we can bless each other and so that our lives can be transformed those are the things that we do when we get together And ultimately, we do everything out of reverence for Christ. This is something we've been remembering again during this season, that everything we do, whether we are submitting to authority or whether we are standing up against authority, whatever happens, we as followers of Jesus have to do everything out of reverence for him. This makes us the best team players, the best uh, people at just being friends and whatever else, uh, because we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ but it also gives us something even bigger than life to live for. This morning I get to share one of my favorite stories. It's about the prophet Elisha. And there's so many great stories about this guy. I'm going to have to shove a bunch of them together. I've been sharing little pieces online over the course of the week. There's just so much, but I, I hope that you at least capture the essence of this guy he was honestly I got to be straight up with you if I had lived to see Elisha with my own eyes I might not have put my trust in him the guy was pretty crazy He did some random things that you're just like, what is going on? How could possibly, how could God possibly be in this? And yet he was clearly, as you watch the fruit of what he did, as you see that God actually showed up and made these miracles happen, somehow or another, he was constantly connected to the will and the power of God. And this is our prayer. This is always what we are seeking for, is to be connected to God's will and also connected to his power. And what a great example of that. Well, we first meet him in 1 Kings 19, which happens right after 1 Kings 18, which is where Elijah, the guy who mentored Elisha, had his big showdown with the prophets of Baal. And you probably know that story. We're going to skip over that a little bit. I just want that to be context, because after that, Elijah had this terrible down moment. He was running for his life. He ends up crying and begging to die underneath a tree. I don't know how down you've been in this last season, but you might not have been quite that down. If you were, I'm sorry, and I'm so glad you made it here this morning. But it's been, this was a rough, rough moment. And in that broken moment, God actually sent an angel to him. And then for 40 days and nights, he hiked and fasted at the same time. I don't know if you've ever tried that, hiking for 40 days and nights, or fasting for 40 days and nights, but I'm pretty sure doing both at the same time is really rough. But he ends up at Mount Sinai, that Mount Sinai, the same mountain where God had once met with Moses and Joshua. And he actually goes to the same cave where they had found shelter during that. And he spends some time with God. And this is the moment where God actually comes to Elijah and he gets to know God just a little bit better. As the, Elijah stood there, the Lord actually passed by in front of him. And it's interesting the wording here because it says that he passes by, but he was not in the first th- three things he saw. He, he, there's a big earthquake, there's a big windstorm, there's a big fire storm, and all three of those were pretty big, but God actually shows up in the whisper. Now, uh, over the course of this, this series, we're looking at these stories and it's so important to me that we understand these are real stories They happen at real times in history. This is not just some story that somebody made up. These are real people and real things. So I've been trying to give you dates and, and help make that clear. Uh, we don't know the exact year that this happened, but with all that earth and wind and fire, I'm pretty sure it was the 21st night of September. I'm sorry, sometimes I can't help myself with the jokes just go on and on. Amen. Now I know you're paying attention so we could go on with this story. So it's in this moment that God has this conversation with Elijah and he pours out his heart to him and he says, I need more people. I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like you're not rewarding the things that I am doing. I need you to step in. And God sends him a team and the sidekick part of that team is Elisha. He had a mountaintop experience here. And a lot of times we use that phrase and we talk about a mountaintop experience, we think it's just something that's really, really fun. Like going to the movies and then going to ice cream afterwards. Remember how we used to do that? Hopefully we get to do that again sometime soon. Anyway, um, that's not really what a mountaintop experience is in the scriptures. A mountaintop experience is almost always literally on a mountaintop, which is why we have that phrase in English. But it's really as an experience that changes everything. It rocks your world. It shifts your perspective on yourself and on God. This happened for Elijah, and it happened in a way that created some relationships in his life. So now, here we go. Finally, we meet Elisha. When we first meet Elisha, he's plowing a field, his own field, and he's plowing with the 12th of 12 teams of oxen, and he's plowing with the 12th one, which tells us a couple things. He's industrious. He's a good leader. He's got 11 other guys working for him, but he's also a hard worker. He's out there working right next to them. So we know that's some cool stuff about him. Now Elijah shows up, and you can tell that he's been social distancing for a little too long because he doesn't even say anything to him. He just walks right up and throws his mantle over him and walks away and expects him to know what that means. And somehow Elisha does. So he chases after him. He says, okay, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your assistant. I'm going to do that. But first I need to go home and I need to kiss my family goodbye. And Elijah goes, well, fine, but remember what I told you. Wish he hadn't told him anything yet, except he expected him to understand that. But here's where Elisha's story gets really crazy. This where it starts really applying to ours. And I hope that as we walk through the rest of his story together this morning, that you really lock this part in. This is so important. Because Elisha goes home, he kills all of his oxen, he busts up all of his plows, and he cooks the meat of the oxen on the plows. He makes what he is doing very public and very um, memorable and hard to reverse. Robert Frost is the poet who has the famous poem about two roads diverged in a yellow wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. He also said this, freedom lies in being bold. Bold is where you just do what needs to be done. You may be afraid, you may be scared, you may not, but you get it done. And Elisha was very bold in this moment. Again, he made his decision public and memorable and hard to reverse. And this is where I need you to say something out loud with me, because this is how we can apply this to our lives. Everybody say this together. Make it so you can't go back. One more time. Make it so you can't go back. If you really want to get something done in life, whether it's a minor thing, a small change in your lifestyle, whatever it is, figure out a way to make it public and memorable and hard to reverse. In other words, make it, say it with me, make it so you can't go back. That's exactly what he did here. That is why baptism is such a big thing. That's why we read this scripture here. Because God, just like wedding ceremonies and so many other things, God has, he knows this is such a powerful thing for us. And he wants us to have a moment where we can go, that was then, this is now. This was the old me, this is the new me. This was when I was single, now I am married. This is when I was not friends with this person, this is when I was. This was, he loves those kind of moments. And Elisha created one here. Well, then the two of them, they formed and led a team of prophets. The two of them were the head of that, and and he was preparing the whole time to succeed Elijah eventually. And this brings us to the next super practical thing for us to look at this morning, and that is this. Discipleship requires relationship. I'm going to need you guys to talk several times today. This is another one of those. You ready? Here we go. Discipleship requires relationship. This is absolutely crucial. We cannot follow Jesus and not do it the way he told us to do it, which is that we follow him and we bring somebody with us. And there's always going to be somebody just a little bit closer to Jesus than you are, or a little bit further down the exact road that you're on as you follow him that's going to be leading you, that you've got to be able to follow their lead. There's always got to be somebody else that you're bringing along with you. Every single way that Jesus ever describes what it looks like to follow Him includes people, it includes family. Every metaphor He uses is things like a flock or a kingdom or a body. Things that have to work together for a common purpose. They're all going the same direction at the same time, following the same person or same cause. This is so crucial and we can't miss this if we're going to be true followers of Jesus. Well, then came the day when Elijah is being called home and Elisha is about to come into his own as the leader of the prophets, not just the sidekick of the leader. And he, they head out together with all of the prophets until they get to the edge of the Jordan River. And then Elijah does something pretty amazing. He takes off this mantle or this cloak that he wears all the time. And he takes it off and he smacks the river of the Jordan with it. And the water parts. This only happens a couple times other than this in the scripture. And one of them is the Red Sea parting to set the Israelites free. The other one is the Jordan River itself parting so that Joshua and all the Israelites could come into the promised land. But here's a very pretty private moment. This is just somebody that just, they just know somehow that this needs to happen that day and do it. And God shows up and makes it happen. This is where it starts getting weird, people. And this is where I need you to to somehow just open your mind, use your imagination, whatever it takes. Because I believe that there's maybe not exactly like Elisha did it, but I believe we miss a lot as we go through life. We're not connected enough to God, or we're so afraid of what it might look like that when it comes to just taking action and doing something that we we know somehow that God is telling us to do that. But we also know what it would look like. We know how weird it is and how unlikely it would be and how embarrassing it would be if God didn't come through that we back off. Elijah never did that. Elisha never did that. We must never do that. He smacks the water. God actually parts the water. They walk across. The other 50 prophets just kind of stand there going, what just happened? And they disappear. And after a while, here comes Elisha coming back. And now he's wearing Elijah's mantle. And Elijah is gone. And he gets back to the edge of the river and he takes off the mantle and he smacks the water and he says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And the water parts again. He walks across by himself on dry land. Hey boys, let's go. Craziness. But they knew, hey, this is going to happen. He had prayed for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He He had prayed that he would be able to take that calling to an even higher level. And sure enough, it's about to happen. Are you guys still with me? All right, we're going we're to bust through because there's so much stuff in here, but, but uh, there's some awesome stuff where we can uh, apply this to our lives. So, here's the next thing I need you to say with me. Ready? Everybody say this together. Give God a chance to display his power. One more time. Give God a chance to display his power. We can't control God. He's not a genie in a lamp, He's not a dog to do tricks for your friends. He's not always going to say or do the things that you want Him to say or do because He's God. You're not and I'm not. He is. However, sometimes the reason we don't see God do amazing things is we don't give Him a chance. We hedge all of our bets. We, we make all kinds of plans assuming that He won't come through. And then we wonder why we don't see anything miraculous. Miraculous. If you want to see something miraculous, you can't control that. You can't force God to do something miraculous, but you've got to give him a chance to display his power. And Elisha did this constantly. It's pretty inspiring. Another person that I've mentioned to you several times, we've got the book right out there if you'd like to borrow it, is uh, Brother Andrew, uh, a.k.a. God's Smuggler. One of the things he was known for doing is driving this little bug up to the border of a communist country, completely full with Bibles, not even hid, not even, not even like disguised or anything. And, and he'd drive up and he would pray this prayer, Lord, you made blind eyes see. Please make these seeing eyes blind. And he would drive up there and they'd say, do you have anything to declare? And he goes, you can look in my car if you want. And they'd go, you look good. And let him on in. That's how he got into almost every communist country he got in. It's insane. It's crazy. I do not recommend it. And yet this guy gave God, listen, he gave God a chance to display his power. He knew that was something God had called him to do. And he did it. And God came through. Over and over and over again, this is the same thing that we do when we tithe. and I don't have time to go into this. It's a whole nother, whole nother um, level of other stuff, but the whole idea of giving God your first, your best, taking his, his portion out of the top and giving that to him first, that's not a legalistic thing. that's not a thing that is like a math problem that you know you put in this much. He's going to give you back this much) <clears throat> But what it is, is it's an act of trust. It's giving God a chance to display his power. It's saying, I trust you. Everything I have comes from you. I trust you to make sure my family and I are okay if I do this first. It's the same idea. I'm just trying to make this as practical as possible. This idea of giving God a chance to display his power. One more time. This is where I need you to say this out loud with me. And then it's just going to be story, story, story for a second. I need to say this out loud with me. Be bold and use what you have right now. One more time. Be bold and use what you have right now. This is something you see in the life of Elisha all the way through. He wanted that mantle. He didn't just want the power. He wanted a symbol of that power. And every miracle he does, he, he uses props he he somehow or another uses something that's around him to do this God it's God's power and yet he uses something that's on hand you see Jesus did the same thing when he fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish right he could have just made food he spoke the universe into existence obviously that five those five loaves and those two fish weren't the whole thing that got generated that day, but he used something that was on hand. That never, I guarantee you, that boy never forgot that. The, the, the disciples never forgot that because they used something that was on hand. One more time, say it out loud, and then here come the stories. Be bold and use what you have right now. Some people from Jericho came to Elisha, and they said that the spring that fed the whole city, that they all re- relied on for pure water, had gone bad. He said, Give me a bowl of salt a bowl of salt, and he throws it into the spring, and he said, from now on, it's going to be pure. And it was for generations and generations and generations to come. Now, salt does kind of purify water. That's one of the reasons we're called the salt of the earth. But that little bowl of salt was not what purified that water. It was a miracle, and yet he used this. That was what was on hand, and that's how it worked. One of the craziest stories is where he's walking along, some boys start making fun of him for being bald. And they say, hey, get out of here, you baldy, or something along those lines. And Elisha call, calls out this curse from God on these boys. And here comes a bunch of angry bears and just maul them. Some people think that he, they killed them. Some people think he just destroyed them pretty bad. Either way, that's a crazy story. It's funny. As a kid, I, it was one of my favorite Bible stories because I just thought it was so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Call down the bears. Ha, ha, ha. As a, as a grown-up, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that one because I'm like, was <laughs> that? That was God's will. He wanted to... Mal- hmm. Anyway, I'm going to move on. But again, the point I hope you see is he, used, he was walking by the woods and there's bears in the woods. He uses bears. Are you with me? So let's keep going. He gets called in to talk to three kings and they're wanting advice. And again, this time, there's not what he wants nearby, so he waits until it is. They say, hey, we need to know if we need to go to war or not. And he goes, I'm not talking until somebody's here to play the harp. I'm I'm telling you, I'm not making this stuff up. You need to read these stories. It's so amazing. And they go, okay, bring somebody to play the harp. So I don't know if it's kind of like how in some churches where the preacher says something and then the organ goes, you know what I'm saying? Maybe that's what they're doing. He's like, and the Lord says, bling, bling, bling. You're going to go into battle. Bling, 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 bling. I'm not sure. I don't know what it looked like. But he wouldn't talk until there's a harp in the room. So then they're playing. And then he tells them there's going to be a big miracle and there's going to be a victory the next day. And both of them happened. Then a woman comes to him. And this is a woman who is somebody he knows. She's the widow of one of those prophets that he led. And she comes to him and her husband had died. So he's sad at this moment too. He's one guy short on his team. This is an awkward moment for both of them. But I love what he does here. He teaches her this principle. Because instead of just handing her money or something like that, he tells her and her sons to go and collect as many jars as they possibly can. first he'd ask, what do you have on hand in your house? He said, just a little bit of oil. He said, go get some jars. So they have to interact with everybody in their whole community. They have to start some relationships. Remember, discipleship requires relationship. They have to get out there. They have to talk. They have to break those barriers down. They get out there and they talk with everybody. They collect all that stuff. And then as long as they kept pouring, those jars kept filling. God just kept multiplying that oil that they had had on hand until there was enough for them to, to use, to sell, to cook, to whatever they needed, their needs were provided by this miracle. But again, he's showing her this thing. The real power is with God, but you start by being bold in using what is on hand. Is this making sense? Are you seeing this pattern in here? The Jordan River comes into a lot of these stories. Uh, you've already heard a couple of them. Another one of the most famous one is the man Naaman from Aram. He comes and he asks to be healed from his leprosy because the word's got around how powerful this Elisha guy is. He wants to be healed and he says, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman gets mad. He says, I got better rivers than that at home. Are you serious? Serious? That doesn't cure leprosy. But what he didn't realize is it wasn't about the water. It was about obedience to God. Is about putting all his trust in God, giving God a, a chance to display his power and doing that by being bold and using what was on hand. So finally, Naaman is convinced that he goes and he tries it. And sure enough, I hope you've heard this story. But he goes and he dunks himself. And the seventh time he comes out, the Bible says that his skin is like that of a baby. It's perfect. It's not even like it was it went before he was, uh, had leprosy. It's even better. It's, it's, it's totally restored. Another time, Elisha had been consistently um, messing up the king of Aram's plans because the king of Aram would send these secret little troop movements in trying to attack Israel and Elisha always knew where it was so he'd give the king of Israel, the, he'd give him the, a tip off and he'd say hey you need to send some people over here, they'd be waiting for them. So finally the king of Aram thinks that he has um, he has a traitor in his midst and he's mad and they go no 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 there's no traitor sir, it's that guy Elisha that he'll name him He just knows. He's got a hotline to God somehow and he just always knows. So they say, okay, we're going to take him out. So Elijah and his servant wake up one morning. The servant wakes up first. They look outside and the little town that they're in is a little place called Dothan is just completely surrounded by the troops of Aram. Foot soldiers, people on horses, chariots, just completely surrounded. His, His servant, very understandably, gets really scared. And he goes, we're surrounded. I want you to I want to make sure I get this exactly right. I'm going to read this straight out of the scripture. 2 Kings 6, verses 16 to 17. Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And what he saw was surrounding all of those troops were the troops of God. Surrounding all of those human troops and chariots were the angelic warriors. You know how so many times in the Old Testament God is called the God of angel armies? These were the angel armies. Suddenly he could see them. Chariots of fire and stuff that we just can't even really get our imaginations around. And then Elisha prays the same thing that Brother Andrew had prayed. He says, okay, Thank you for opening his eyes. Now I need you to blind all of theirs. And all at once, the entire Aramean army goes blind. And he walks out there and says, hey, follow me. Leads them into town, right into the king's courts. And they're surrounded by Israel's armies. Then he says, okay, God, open their eyes back. They know what's coming. But that's not what was coming. They gave him a meal and they sent him home. And they never messed with him again. Are these amazing stories? I mean, it's amazing. They'd be crazy if somebody made them up. They're even more amazing that they're real. But this is why we're telling them today. We're telling them today because we serve the same God. And these principles are still real. I'm not sure that you or I will ever call down bears to attack someone who makes fun of us. I'm pretty sure we should not. But it's the same God. And, and he has these same principles. And so I'm asking you this morning, let's walk back through this one more time. And then you need to make whatever choice you're going to make this morning memorable and public. You're going to make it that was then, this is now a moment. Let's say this together. Be bold and use what you have now. Let's be a little bolder as we say this, people. You got this. I believe in you. Be bold and use what you have now. You probably have more than you realize on hand, even in the visible world. But I guarantee you there are more things in the invisible world than you and I can see at any given time. Sometime maybe God will open your eyes. In this life, maybe he won't. But I guarantee it's there. Be bold and use what you have now. Here's the second thing. Let's say it together. Give God a chance to display his power. God loves, loves to rise to the occasion. He loves to help us rise to the occasion. But he leaves that choice up to us. We have to give him a chance to display his power for him to display it. We have to be bold and use what he's given us for him to use us the way he wants to use us. He leaves that choice up to us. And also never forget this. Let's say this together as well. Discipleship... Requires relationship. And once again, I'm so thankful for this congregation, so proud of you that through this crazy season, we're still able to stay connected. We're staying connected to God and to each other. It's so important. Every single one of you, I need your help. Every single one of you, we've got to keep calling everybody else. Make sure we are staying in touch. Make sure because discipleship requires relationship. It's not an additional bonus. It's not a really cool thing that's fun when you get a chance. That's part of it. That's just how we do it. We are a team and we work together as we follow Jesus. Last one. This is where we're going to wrap up together. Make it so you can't go back. Let's say that one more time. Make it so you can't go back. You can make any kind of decision you want anytime you want. You don't have to wait till you come to church. If you're at church, you could make a decision that's very private and very personal, and God's going to honor that, and that's really cool. The reason we ask you to come forward or offer to have you pray with the teams of prayers around this building each time is because this is true. When you make it so you can't go back, when you just share, I need you to pray for me about this. I'm going to try this and I need somebody to support me in this. I want you to know this is where I feel like God is leading me. I'd like you to know this is my struggle. I'd like you to know that I'm making this choice today. When we share that together... When we bring relationship into it, when we're bold and we use what's on hand, which includes people who love to pray for you, they're waiting here every single time. When you you take advantage of that, there is power in that. There's power in just your own choice. There's power, infinite power, in God blessing your choice. But there's a lot of untouched power in us making it public. And so this morning, we're going to sing... We're going to have a special prayer time in a little bit as well. But here's my challenge to you. Do what God is leading you, you to do right now. Make your decision public. Make it memorable. Make it so it's really hard to reverse. If you need to give your life to Jesus and you've never done that, or maybe you've been following Jesus, you love Jesus, you pray to Jesus, you've never got baptized before. Maybe you there's something specific God has been calling you to do. Maybe it's something you need prayer about. Maybe it's not anything you did wrong or everybody else did wrong. You just need to connect better with God and other Christians. I don't know what it is, but we're inviting you this morning to make that public, either right this minute or in the prayer time that follows. Do it as we stand and sing.
0: That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.